So if you want to turn in your Bibles to the 23rd Psalm, but we begin with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now I want you to pay attention to who it is that's doing all the work here. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. No evil. I will fear no evil. What's the greatest evil that you and I face in this world? Is it not the flesh that we or that that we dwell in? I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. For those of you who would like to follow along in scriptures with me tonight, we'll be, be looking into the book of Matthew again at chapter one. We'll be also looking at some scripture in Ephesians chapter 2 and John 17. So if you want to read along other, I, I do have it in the handout except for the uh, uh, Matthew chapter 1. But I want to begin with a title that I put together for tonight's study before we read it in Matthew. Let's look at our handout. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 4 verses 5 through 7 and I've titled tonight's subject, Who Maketh Us to Differ? Who maketh us to differ? It says in 1 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 7, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things. In other words, he's going to bring about, he'll bring us to our understanding when he comes, the hidden things of the darkness of darkness and will make manifest the counsel of the hearts and then shall every man have praise of god and these things brethren i have in a figure transferred to myself and apollos for your sakes that ye might learn in us not to think above that which is written that no one of you be puffed up for one against another, for who maketh thee to differ? So Paul goes through a very extended, ex, ex, extensive way there of, show, of expressing to us, now is not the time to judge. Now is not the ju time to judge all things. The Lord's going to come, when he comes again, he's going to, He's going to show us the things that we don't see now, the things of the darkness. He's going to manifest the counsels of hearts, the counsels of the hearts. And when that happens, we're going to see the praise of God in all things, including the darkness, including the, 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 the things that we find most weak in ourselves. And that's what, 
that's what I thought of as I read, uh, as I prepared for tonight's message. Have you ever thought of, thought to yourself, I wish my faith was stronger like Abraham's was, or, or I wished I wished I could just do the things I know would be pleasing to our Lord? Have you ever thought about that? I, I want to do the will of God. That's, that's deep in my heart, deep in... Pastor Gene and I were talking about that. He, he, he wants so badly to, to do the will of God. It's a desire that's been in his heart ever since the Lord called him out of darkness. It's, the, it's what's been in my heart. I want to so badly do the things that this flesh denies me and the things that I know that would be pleasing to the Lord. Those are good thoughts to have, folks. They're good desires of the heart. Yet I can remember a day when those thoughts would not cross my mind at all. I remember a time when I had no thoughts on the true and living God. Some of you may remember also, or maybe you remember a time when your thoughts on God were according to the ways of a particular religion maybe. The ways of works, a type of works. But now... God has expounded the scriptures in the scriptures unto you, revealing the things of himself to a new heart. Oh, how I wish I could be more like Christ my Savior. But here's a question for you. Does it not say we are to be conformed to his image in Romans chapter 8? 829, as a matter of fact, is what it says. And I've got that here in the handout. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son. In our text in Matthew chapter 1, we are given a picture of a saint of God, a child of the Most High, one of God's chosen blood-bought people, bought with the precious blood of Christ, flowing, following the Lord's instruction. So look with me again, and we read the the whole section of verses, and I need and we need to do that again because I want somebody who may not have uh, been with us before to understand why we, we see these last two verses. But let's start at verse eighteen once again, Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused, and that word espoused means engaged, but in those days, it wasn't like we are today where we're engaged and we might be able to break it off here sometime soon. If you broke off a marriage once you were engaged, it had to be for some pretty strong reasons. Uh, They treated espoused or engagement pretty much like marriage itself. So she was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, verse 19, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. What a compassionate guy, huh? What a compassionate man. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. Did you notice how he calls Joseph and then he tells him who he is? Thou son of David, thou son of the promise of of Abraham, thou, 
thou who is, uh, you know, the sons of David, they were, they were children of God. Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Going on, verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now we've looked at all of that pretty, not, not exhaustively, but pretty much. And these last two verses are what I really want to look at tonight. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now as we considered last week, back in our handout, bottom of page one, as we had considered last week, Joseph was in a position of grave concern. In his eyes, Mary had sinned a great sin against him. He had every right to put her away in public divorce or even have her stoned to death if he so desired. Page 2. Yet as a compassionate, just man, he thought lovingly to put her away privately. That's what we read there in verse 19. Yet something bigger than himself changed his mind. Something turned him a different direction. Matthew 1.24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife. Folks, this has huge implications for you and I. Before you go thinking more of yourself than you should, as one who has been saved from our sin, let us consider Joseph. Did he, knowing the truth, the true and living God, did he, knowing the true and living God, which I believe he did, did he turn this way on his own? No. He was pondering putting her away. But God. Oh, I love saying that word, but God, that, that phrase, but God. Folks, God made the difference. The, the title for tonight's subject is, Who Maketh Thee to Differ? And I ask the question, I ask the question, do you ever feel like, you, you ever have those desires, those feelings go through your mind, I wish I could just be more like Abraham was that day when he took his son to the mountain? Could, don't, don't you read these very words of Joseph and think to yourself, oh, how I wish I could be that kind of a child of God? Yeah. I'm going to sum the whole thing up right now. I'm going to jump ahead and I'm going to sum up the entire bubble study right now. Because I've got to, to answer that question. Folks, you are exactly, right now, in the position that God has purposed you to be in. He is sovereign over everything. Our Lord leads us in the paths that He has purposed us to be in. Joseph was led in the path that he was purposed to be in. Back in our handouts, uh, 
Oh, okay. God made the difference. He came in the Spirit. This is that uh, large paragraph right there on page 2 in the middle. He came in the Spirit and turned the mind as He would a river. The point I want you to bring before you this evening is this. Are your most inner prayers anything like this? Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Think about that for a moment. That's, that's, a, that's a scripture in Lamentations 5.21. Are your prayers like that? Are your prayers on the line of, Father, not my will, but your will be done? Oh, how I pray the Lord would give me that prayer over and over and over. It's, I find it funny. I was thinking about this as I was putting that verse in there. I was thinking about how how much a blessing it is to talk to those who have been with the Lord for many years. Speaking of our brother Gene Harmon and how he praisingly takes everything including his weaknesses and gives God the glory for it. Every bit of his life. I don't do that as, as well as I would like. And, and I pray that I can be just in some sort uh, uh, do that as, as much as Pastor Gene when I get to be uh, his age if the Lord keeps me that long here. But not just, not just occasionally do we pray that. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. It's like when I think I really need it or or, I'm sorry, I should have put like when I, or when I really think I need it, but every moment, not just occasionally, but every moment of every day, do you not need Him? Do you not need Him every hour? Well, that's what this prayer is all about. Turn thou me now, Lord. Turn thou me now, and I, will, and I shall be turned. I ask myself this question. When I think of, uh, of my thoughts that go towards being a better Christian, a better child of God, am I harboring any pride in my heart for what I think my good works are? Is there any pride in my decisions to do this or to do that? Or am I truly giving Him His glory? And that's what all glory is. It's His. It's all His. Are my actions now because of something in this flesh? Or is it all of God? The point being made of Joseph here is this. If left to ourselves, we will make worldly choices. That's what he had. He had three worldly choices that he knew. Things that he knew of this world. Either divorce her, put her away privately, or have her stoned to death. That was the law. He could take her before the council of the elders and, and put her uh, and, and divorce her publicly, or he could have done it privately. And he chose to work. He chose. It, it, I'm, 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 I just can't help but sit here and think. Here's a man. I don't know how quite how to word that. He's a man who's trying to do the best he can in this world. Yet God has something better for him to do, and for him to do it, God had to make a had to do a movement in his heart. 
even though the fact that he was putting her away privately was still of God. That was still an influence of God in doing that. Listen to Proverbs 21, verses 1 and 2. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Now, who's the king of John Reeves? Jesus Christ. But who did John Reeves think was the king before the Lord showed him who was king? Did I say that too fast? And, and Did that make any sense? <laughs> John Reeves thought John Reeves was the king of his own life. That's what this is talking about. The king's heart is in his hand, is in the hand of the Lord as... I'm sorry, let me start that again. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He, the Lord, turneth it whithersoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Folks, sometimes the Lord seems to leave us to ourselves, doesn't he? To test us, maybe. Not that he needs to see what we would do for, but so that we will know. Are we trusting him in all things? Am I waiting on him, including in my walk right now, our walk in weakness? Yet there is one who now dwells in his people. One who has been guiding all things for us, for his glory, since the world was. Page 3. In John 17, verses 20 through 23, we read these words. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Now that's talking about those who will believe on the word of God through those who preach the word of God. And we know that God must teach the heart. He must give a new heart and teach that heart the word. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one I in them and thou in me so we see the Lord Jesus himself declaring he's in the hearts of those those that were given to him before the world began he says I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. This one who is in me and I in him, I pray will hear these words from me. Psalms 119.35 Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. There's that desire to do God's will. That desire to walk in a way that would be pleasing to our Lord. We often think, back in the handout, uh, we often think the words, who maketh us to differ, applies only to the time that we're regenerated from death into life, called from darkness into his marvelous light, called into the light of his Son, Christ Jesus. But folks, that is not correct. The Lord makes the difference in our lives every second of every minute of every day. He turns our hearts as he has purposed them to be turned. Did not God allow Jonah to run from him? He sure did. Then what was purposed of God befell Jonah, and the Lord turned him again and again and again. Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Lamentations 5.21 There's another 
who was sent to take a woman as their bride, and that one, sent of God, did so faithfully, just as Joseph did, and gladly even, though the woman seemed to be unclean. Did you notice that? Mary, in the eyes of Joseph, at that time, in the worldly eyes of Joseph, seemed to be unclean, but she wasn't. I make that point. This one who was sent and did so faithfully and gladly, even though that woman seemed to be unclean, seemed to be an adulterer, seemed to be a sinner, seemed filthy and vile. The bride's name is church, the congregation of God, the called out, those whom he has loved from before the foundation of the world, page 4. The groom sent was is the Christ. Joseph called his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. In our eyes, the eyes of this world, we are vile, we are filthy, we are adulterers, fornicators, and sinners, and that would be all true, for that's what we are. In Ephesians 2, verses 2 through 3, we read these words, wherein times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past and in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. In our eyes, in the eyes of this world, we are vile. We are filthy. We are adulterers, fornicators, and sinners. Going on in the handout mid-page 4. But in the eyes of the Almighty God, we're beautiful. Dressed in the robes of His Son's righteousness. White as the driven snow. Sanctified, holy, righteous in every way. Listen to the words of Ephesians 2. Continuing on there in chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Now remember, we just read a description of what we, what we see ourselves as. And we see ourselves that way. Let me just cut away for a moment. We see ourselves as the way the Bible describes us because of the law of God our school teacher in what sin is. We see perfectly that that's what we are in the flesh when we come into this world. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Did you notice the word raised is past tense? This is what we were reading about a moment ago in the book of John chapter 17. We're in Christ. Folks, we were in Christ when he walked this earth. We were in Christ when he created the worlds. God's people have always been in Christ. We have always been seen in Christ. He had to come to this world, absolutely. He had to be made flesh, absolutely. He had to walk in righteousness, absolutely. But God saw 
His Son in the covenant, fulfilling the covenant perfectly because He's God in the flesh. Everything He does is perfect and pleasing to the Father. So we read here, He hath raised us up. It's done. But it's done together. It's done together with His Son. He's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The valley we walk through, in our, back in our handouts again, the valley we walk through here in this journey called life is no more than a shadow of death. That's what we read in this 23rd Psalm. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's only a shadow to we who are the bride of Christ. We who have been cleansed of our sins. We who have been made the righteousness of God in Him, as we read in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Why? How were we made the righteousness of God in Him? He who knew no sin was made sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Only a shadow because the death we deserve has been charged and laid upon the groom sent of God. This one who God came to and sent Him to this world. How can that be so? Well, it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, for by grace. That's how. For how for by grace are you saved. But it goes through faith. It goes through believing God. Joseph believed God and got up and went and did what he was told to do. I, I, I pause after that because it's just so profound. We're saved by grace, but it's through believing God, through faith. And we know that that's not of ourselves. We didn't just decide one day to start being faithful and believing God. It took God to come to us and make us willing in the day of His power. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? Why would God be so gracious to a sinner like me? In Ephesians 2.7 we read these words, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches. <laughs> Folks, He's got everything. Everything belongs to Him. All of creation, all there is to have, belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us through, through, there's that word through again, faith in Christ Jesus. This time it just says through Christ Jesus. That's in Ephesians 2. Page 5. Now once again, back in John chapter 17, considering this one who leads us, this one who is gave himself for us. He prays this prayer to his Father. He says in verses 1 through 4, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, and this is life eternal. Listen to these next words. 
This is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Now, I'll stop there for just a moment. Do you know if you don't worship the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not worshiping the God the Father? Some say, well, you, you can't worship Jesus Christ because he's, he's a God. Um, the Jehovah Witnesses don't believe that Jesus is God the Father. They don't believe in the Trinity. Scriptures tell us if we don't, if we don't worship the Son, we're not worshiping the Father. says, Whom thou hast sent, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. What was the work? What was that work that he finished? That he was, had finished? Salvation. Salvation of his people. Remember I told you that we were in Christ before the world was? That was the whole reason for God to manifest himself in the flesh. Was so that he would save his people. That's the work, salvation. The Lord was perfect in all that he did as he walked this earth. He knew no sin, as we read in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. The Son's faithfulness delighted the Father. We read in Mark chapter 1, verses 9-11, through 11, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. In Jordan. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open, and the spirit like a dove descended upon him, and there came a voice from heaven. Now, the only time this voice has ever come and said these words, a, a couple of other times, uh, once at the Mount Transfiguration, I think there was one more, I'm not sure about that. Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There's only one who's ever pleased the Father, folks. That's because God the Father must have perfection. He cannot have anything outside of perfection. And everything the Lord Jesus did, including being made sin for us, including the mystery of being made sin for us, He did it perfectly. Including the laying down his life and shedding his blood for his people, he did that perfectly. That's how he, that's how he, when he was at the cross, he said it was finished. It was done. Here in John 17, he declared it to be finished. In John 17, verses 5 through 6, we continue on. And now, O Father, glorify thou me in thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So there we see the Lord once again declaring who he is. He's God's, he's the, the holy son of God. The son of the living God. He's God himself in the flesh. I, was, I have manifested thy name, he says, unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. And here we see once again the de declaration of who we are. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me and they have kept thy word. He has manifested, proclaimed, preached, expounded the name of the true and living God in his person as he walked this earth and also by his saints before and after him. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2 through 5, we read these words, For I determined not to know anything among you, writes Paul, 
say, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. On the road to Emmaus, our Lord preached Himself. He expounded in all the Scriptures, all the books of the Old Testament, the things concerning Himself to His disciples. He preached Christ. He gave the words that God the Father had sent him to give to his beloved bride, and they believed. Going on down in uh, the bottom paragraph of page 5, John 17, verse 7 through 8. Now they have known, speaking of those ones again, they have known all these things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Page 6. In John 6, verse 45, we read this. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me, saith the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 17, verses 9 through 11, we finish up our scripture, our our text there in John, I pray for them, the Lord says, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou givest given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. Folks, this is how Joseph was able to put his worldly thoughts aside and do what God had appointed him to do. He was kept by the power of God. That's what we read in 1 Peter 1 verse 5. Those who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Everything about my life, everything, and I pray that I keep this before me at all times. I know being weak in the faith at times, it's difficult for us to keep these kinds of thoughts before us, but folks, everything, everything, even that time when we, we're weak and we say to ourselves, oh, I wish I had Abraham. Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe we've asked a myth. Maybe we should be asking, Lord, guide me. Lord, turn me. And I shall be turned. I know this. The true way to ask anything of the Lord is, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Ephesians 2, verses 10 says this very, very clearly. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now that brings comfort to one who asks myself frequently, Lord, how can you, be, how can you love such a weak, weak person as myself? 
How can you love me who is so weak? I can't, I can't even do the, the minor things that you ask me and tell me to do in your word. For I'm his workmanship. Folks, God doesn't do anything wrong. No. Everything he does is right and perfect. And if that means allowing me to run from him like Jonah did, then that's perfect according to him. It's in his purpose. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Folks, the whole point of this whole message, as it is in every message, is for us to rely on that one who loved him, who loved us, and gave himself for us. Loved us so much that he laid down his only, that his, he gave his only begotten son. And we can always come back to that verse in Romans chapter 8. And I don't want to misquote it even the minor little bit because I'm old and I'm forgetful and I forget things like that. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Yes.